and everybody gets it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dog that's in your lap. Garden Report podcast. I'm Sean Hyken, the uh, author and host of the Rose Garden Report newsletter and podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we've had a new episode, so I apologize for that. It's, you know, it's the dead time of the offseason. I had some other stuff to deal with, but we're going to kind of get back to doing these regularly now in the month and a half before training camp starts. And I've got a great first time guest uh, today, somebody I known personally for a few years, but is relatively new to the, uh, you know, Portland sports media scene, I guess, if you will. Brenna Green, who's now the sports anchor and reporter for uh, Coin. Brenna, you've had this job for, what, about a month now? Is that about right? Yeah, about a month, yep. And, I mean, so you're, you're you, you and I have seen each other a couple times in the last couple of weeks because dame has done these camps which we'll get to and you you're from the area and I, I knew that but something you said to me was that back like i think you were like either in college or out of college you interned at uh csn northwest like during the draft process r.i.p yeah r.i.p <laughs> and Com- comcast sports uh net that now nbc sports and then now non-existent but you interned for them during the Dame uh, draft mm-hmm. process, right? Yes, so I did. Were you there for that legendary uh, workout that he had? I was there for that workout. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we weren't allowed in there right. uh, while it was all happening. But uh, yeah, I was I was there that day. Um, in fact, I had to... <laughs> I had to shoot interviews solo that day and everything was going fine. And then I got there and the camera just decided to stop working. Nice. So that was a great day for me. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was there and then I was there, um, in the practice facility the night when he got drafted, I was not there for his press conference because I was, um, back in Spokane for, for hoop fest that weekend but uh but yeah i was i was there at the beginning and it's so interesting now to like to look back on kind of that compared to you know these couple of camps that he's put on that you and i both covered and you know you know you actually you actually went kind of viral on the last on the one that he did uh this weekend the formula zero you you were the one mm-hmm. that got the video clip up that got like the 5,000 retweets and like John Calipari, I think posted your clip and like all of that stuff. But the kind of hearing him now reflect on, you know, how his path to the league and what he's trying to impart in, you know, some of these kids and, you know, some of these, you know, clips that have gone viral about him talking about like, I, you know, I want, you know, these kids to be coachable and be humble and not just rely on their, on their talent. It's been, it's been interesting to kind of watch the evolution over the course of his career. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we sat down for that press conference and he wanted to speak. He had Uh, a lot to say. He had a lot to say and he was ready to unload it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you know this, but we only asked seven questions during that press conference and it went I on for 25 minutes that. i didn't count it but yeah it was really hard because i went back and like afterwards i was transcribing it and it's so hard when somebody talks for that long and uh we're getting into a little bit of like media inside baseball stuff here but like <laughs> yeah. i don't like when somebody talks for that long and as a writer you have to i guess for you it's more like on the tv side like deciding which clips to use on the uh it was impossible know, in the broadcast <laughs> like do i want to just put like five paragraphs in a row of just like stacking quotes stacking quotes like it's like people actually gonna like or do you want to like do something like it's so hard to kind of do that but yeah he had a lot to say and he he actually like i i 
think I kind of got him off script a little bit because he said something just sort of in passing about how it's mm. easier to make the league now than it was. Yes. And the way, you know, when he was drafted 10 years ago and I was just like, mm, that's interesting. And so I, I just kind of asked him as a follow-up. I was like, so why is it easier? And he had like a five minute like spiel about that too. That <laughs> Yeah. He, uh, he was not holding back. And I, I, I mean, I appreciated it. You know, obviously I have not been, around him before the last few weeks but uh -huh. um just from i feel like talking with other people they're like yeah he seems like really refreshed and like ready to go right now so uh that's uh, you know i don't know what your perspective would be on that but uh, he definitely seems like he is he's motivated right now to say the least i i just, I've, I've said this before but like he probably has had the most non-stop schedule out of anybody in the league over the last basically since the COVID shutdown because he played in the bubble he had to play basically out of his mind in those eight seeding games to even get them into the playoffs mm -hmm. in the bubble and then they had the next season with like a you know one month off season go right back into training camp drags that team to the playoffs they lose in the first round, but then he gets right on a plane to Tokyo to play in the Olympics. And then they still have a shortened off season because of COVID. So he basically hasn't had a break in three years. And, you know, you and I were both at the first one of those camps, the the, the formula zero, this one that he just did this past weekend, this media availability stuff was mostly about the camp, but the one that he did a couple weeks ago that was at his kid's camp, he talked a lot more about kind of his rehab from that ab surgery. And he was talking about, just how much he needed the mental break as much as any. Yeah. 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 It was, um, it was, I, I mean, I think everybody knows that his abs were really, really, really screwed up, but, yes. um, but it was even like more clear with, with that sort of stuff. So between the mental and, and physical, uh, situation that he had, you know, and he mentioned during, um, that kids camp that his trainer, Phil, who was a part of this formula zero camp was like, um, you're really messed up and you need to stop. And, you know, it became even more clear to me how close their relationship was during this Formula Zero camp. And the fact that Phil actually told him to stop does not seem like something that his trainer would actually do unless he really, really believed it. Um, so, yeah, I think that really like because it, it seems like Phil is a... <laughs> Phil, in the in the in the words of Mean Girls, Phil seems like he's a pusher. Okay, um, <laughs> and that's a good thing, uh, and that that has been established as a good thing. But um, but you know the fact that he actually told Damien, "You need to shut it down," um, before Damien did, and Damien was like, "Nah, I'm fine, whatever." Uh, I think that says just how uh, how you know messed up he he really was. It was kind of funny that at that first availability, Dame was talking about how uh, when Phil started telling him that, you know, look, you're, you're clearly not right physically. Dame thought he was just like another guy being a hater about his like rough start to the season. <laughs> he just kind of tuned it out. But I had, I was not, I mean, I, I know Phil a little bit. I've, you know, talked to him a couple of times. I'm not as close with him as some media people are but you know i know that they've been around each other for a long time and they've worked together going back to weaver state i had not known until this last availability that dame did where he really went into depth about their relationship just how far back they went and how even back when mm -hmm. he was at weaver state and phil was an assistant coach there that he would be the one like pushing him to be like you know even though like you're our top recruit like hey you're not that good you're not that special and just trying to get him to uh pr you know prove it to him basically yeah uh i i used the quote in my piece where uh damien was talking about the fact that phil would show up at his class every single day and be like you know wait are you here on time okay how many shots did you shoot are you chasing how girls around campus yeah were you chasing girls around campus and he's like i haven't got to the point where i called my dad and i was like what's this dude's deal and like every time we played that fight in the studio that my anchors would start laughing because it was just so funny like how Damien said it just like how like Phil was just on his case um but you know like and it, that could have gone one of two ways and, and thankfully Damien was mature enough to to have it go the 
the way that it went. And, and now obviously that's, that's, that's paid dividends, but, um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was all over him in college. That, uh, was, was very, very certain and clear in that press conference. <laughs> yeah. And something that I thought was in, and, and this, and this is something I've kind of, I, I wrote this after the formula zero mm-hmm. thing, but when Dame, you know, Dame was talking about kind of Phil pushing him and Phil kind of telling him like, don't buy into your own hype and, you know, any of this stuff. And that's kind of the message that he's also, you know, pushing to these kids that are at his camp. Did you see, I'm, I'm assuming you, you probably have like seen the quotes and stuff. Did you see the interview that Dame gave on ESPN with Cassidy during the Blazers first summer league game? And the quote, oh, man. Where he was I think I did about, see some of it. The, did you see the part where she asked him about Shaden Sharp? And he basically said like, you know, he's really talented, but I want to see him play. He needs to get out there and play. Did you see yeah. that whole? Yeah, I do kind of remember that now. Yeah, I do. I do vaguely remember that now. I was, I was in the throes of moving, so you know, like <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on. But I do, I do remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because I could totally picture Shaden Sharp being one of the kids at this camp where you know he's this five star mm-hmm. recruit and he just decides not to play at Kentucky because he wants to protect his draft stock. That's the kind of thing where I feel like if Dame had gotten to him in high school, he would have just been like, dude, no, you got to actually play. And, you know, if you if you fall a few spots in the draft, then fine. But you got to actually get out and play like and that just got me thinking, like, I think being around Dame is going to be really good for Shane Sharp. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, OK, something that I have noticed is that I don't know if I've seen someone who has a more like respected leadership resume around the league than dame Mm -hmm. like i don't i can't think of you know i could be wrong but i can't think of anybody who has come out and openly been like oh i hated playing with that guy whatever it's almost always like oh yeah he's one of the best leaders i've ever been around i mean you look at the way nurkic's career has gone and yes that's a great example Sometimes it just doesn't work out because guys are just like not receptive to it. Cause I, I, the, the, the year right before COVID uh, shut everything down, they put Hassan Whiteside's locker next to Dame's on purpose because they wanted Dame to be a good influence on him. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, this is back, of course, this is before COVID. So this was like when we were still allowed in locker rooms, but I can't tell you how many times like they'd be losing a game and then afterwards uh Hassan would be at his locker looking at his stats looking at the stat sheet and be like oh man I had 15 rebounds and four blocks and a Dame would be looking over and like dude we lost why are you talking about your your stats yeah. I think that I think Dame is sort of in the uh you know he, he's a guy where like he works as hard as anybody else does and so when people tell you know he goes and tells these younger guys like hey you can't worry about your stats you can't complain about your minutes you can't complain about your role people respect it because he actually backs it up yep he absolutely does back it up and you know i mean this camp the camp is an example of that because i mean he doesn't have to be doing this during his summertime he doesn't have to be hosting this camp and taking you know frankly taking time away from his camp family and being with 50 you know college to high school age kids um but that's what he decided to do. So I, I think that that, you know, just says a lot about how much, it, you know, it, it, yeah, there was a lot of talk at that press conference, but it was obviously all backed up by the fact that he's actually trying to do something about it um, instead of just, you know, saying, oh, this generation is this, oh, this generation is that, you know, whatever. He actually decided to take a week out of his summer, put this whole event on and like back it up. And be like, you know what, I'm, I am going to actually do something. And so I just, I found that to be um, really impactful because we, we see a lot of these players say stuff like this, but I, I don't know how many players are, are doing camps like this. I can't, I don't recall many, if, if any. Did you enjoy the remembering some guys element of this camp <laughs> with the Chris, the Chris Kamen sighting. Like we were like debating. Like, oh my gosh, that's we, so funny. We were we were uh, standing over kind of on the sideline before they brought us over to talk to Dame, and there was this you know this huge white dude, this huge bald white dude with like a red beard, you know, wearing like a Blazers t shirt, and he was like rebounding for some of the kids, and I thought he looked familiar, but I didn't 
fully recognize him. And then I, I think it was Fantris come, you know, comes yep. to like both me and you and is like, is that Chris Kamen? And then it turns out I actually asked one of the one of the women who was like a, a staffer and she went and checked and it actually was Chris Kamen. And like I was just surprised they got Chris Kamen out of, you know, he's probably I just assumed he was like in the woods hunting somewhere. I didn't even think he like had a cell phone. That's just kind of the vibe I've always gotten from Mm-hmm. him but like that just that element of it too that's just like somebody like chris Kamen who isn't like out here and like around at stuff like dame calls him up and you know he hasn't been dame's teammate in like six or seven years and you know somebody calls him up and you know dame calls him and is like hey uh you want to come help out at the camp and even chris Kamen's like sure yeah i'll, I'll be there yeah yeah i i think well damien even said you you looked at damien at the beginning of the press conference you were like chris Kamen, huh and he and, and damien was like yeah only i could get chris Kamen to come here <laughs> like but i think uh i think what caleb canales was there too yeah, and i kind of recognized i kind of recognized him and i was like is that caleb canales like like it was just i just wasn't like expecting that you know there was it was you know quite a quite a potpourri of guys there i mean anthony was there he wasn't coaching but he was just kind of sitting and watching and and i mean anthony anthony doesn't have to be there doing that either but uh you know I'm, i'm sure that he identifies with a lot of those guys i mean he's around a lot of their ages so i'm sure that even like even though he's not participating in it he might still be gleaning some stuff stuff off of what damien is telling those guys because they're all around his age still so um yeah there was definitely i think i think D- david vanderpool was there too yeah. so it was it was evan yeah turner. there was yes evan turner we i did see evan turner in the parking lot i was like all right evan turner is here like it was just uh yeah there was it was it was a bit of a Blazers, an old school Blazers homecoming there for sure. He, I mean, Dave, a couple of years ago, I think this was like during the trade deadline, like a couple, not this past one, maybe like one or two trade deadlines ago when he's asked about like his teammates getting traded. And he said something like, I still, I, I'm somebody like, I wish Sasha Pavlovich was still on the team. So like, that's just the relationship that Dame has with all of his teammates, but I got, I got a kick out of the Chris Kamen thing for sure. Cause that's just like, I just, I just assumed he didn't own a cell phone. <laughs> Damien, we know you asked him if he wanted to coach after he retired and he said, no, I'd rather be a scout, which was interesting, but we definitely know. interesting da- too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know that we know that Damien could definitely not be a GM. That's <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> That's, that's like, I think Dame is like one of the few stars that gets that players, I mean, he's obviously going to like give input into like guys. I know that he like him and Jeremy Grant are close and he was like a big driver in them going after Grant and like, you know, he's pushed for other guys in the past, but like, like, I'm assuming you saw all this, all this Durant stuff today. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Where he's basically uh, telling uh, Joe Sy, the owner that. You know, you either have to trade me or you have to fire uh, Steve Nash, who only got that job because I wanted him. <laughs> yeah. So what do, you, yeah. what do you make of all of that? And where, like, where do you land on all of that? Uh, like, where do you think Durant's going to end up or any of that? Well, I mean, I, you know, okay. We all know that Durant isn't going to end up in Portland. But, like, they literally I can't. thought, yeah, <laughs> I did think it was funny you know, especially now looking back on it with Damien, you know, sharing that graphic right. of both of them in a, in Trailblazers jerseys. I'm like, and now you see this news and I'm like, I don't really feel like what Kevin's doing jives with how Damien wants to do things. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually think this is probably a good thing that he's not coming here. Cause it would just, I, I don't know. Like, it's like Kevin is, he's just, uh, it's, it's, I don't, he's just kind of digging his own grave at this point. I don't, I don't, it's, you know, you're the one who wanted this all to happen. And now you're the one that wants it all to be done and over with. And you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I don't know. Like it's and the, the nets are not going to trade up. Like <laughs> you think they're not, you think they're going to, I mean, I, th- I feel like you have to trade Kyrie. You can't, you can't yes, trade Kyrie back. I, like that one, I agree with that 100%. That one, you you can't still have Kyrie Irving on the team. And I don't, but I just, I don't know where you, if it's not that Lakers trade for Russ, who you then immediately buy out, like I, people, like teams around the league, I think had the chance to try to work out a sign and trade for Kyrie and all of them were just like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, 
for Gucci. Yeah, it's uh I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously Kevin Durant could get traded, but I just, you know, from everything we've seen, like the Nets are not going to accept just any old trade for Kevin. And uh so I mean, we'll see how this goes, but it's it's going to be really fascinating if I I just I just don't see a world where he's not there at least during training camp and just to watch those Oh my God, just, just to watch the, the whole dynamic is going to be just fascinating. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does go somewhere else, but it's just like, like I said, the Nets are not going <laughs> to, the Nets are not just going to move for anything. So, and they're know. not really going to get much because I think a lot of no. these, as much as, even though he's Kevin Durant, like if you're, you know, Toronto or whoever, or, you know, you're one of these teams, like he's made it known, you know, he wants to go to Phoenix. He wants to go to Miami. Those mm-hmm. teams don't really have that much to trade at this point. If you're another team that does have stuff like Toronto is the one that keeps getting thrown around or Boston, that isn't a team that he actively wants to go to. Why would you give up all your stuff? If it's like the team that he basically, like they let him pick his coach. They let him pick his teammates. They let him pick all this stuff. And he's asking for a trade with four years left on his contract. What's to say he won't, get traded here. We give up all this stuff to get him. And then he's going to do the same thing with three years left on his contract next year. Yeah. It's yeah. He And then you have to think about like him coming in and like, just like the dynamics of a team. Like, you know, if he goes to a place like Boston, is he going to try to become like the alpha dog leader over Jason Tatum? Like, I don't, I don't see that like going great, you know, or, or like, or what, him and Dwayne Wade going to bet or not Dwayne Wade. Sorry. Wow. That was, that was bad. Um, <laughs> are him, oh my gosh. Are, are him and uh, oh my gosh, why am I doing this right now? You know, I'm Jimmy Butler. Thank you. I kept going JB, JB, JB in my brain. Well, like, you got, him the, and you Jimmy, got the team right, Miami. <laughs> yeah. Him and Jimmy Butler. Like, are we going to have like, a, like, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. Maybe they can't even keep, jimmy butler if that were to happen but you know like i just i think at this point like there's a lot of questions about i i don't know i i I think that it's reasonable to say there might be some questions about like the leadership situation with him and and how that works and if he's just constantly trading teams like at some point i don't know it's it's just and he's gonna want to come in and be top dog and that's it's it's just it's a difficult dynamic to say the least and uh yeah, it's it's gonna be really fascinating to to watch play out, uh, especially since, uh, like you said, it's not happening in Portland. So, um, so we just get to watch from afar in in some ways. So there you go. As as much as like it would be fun to be covering one of the teams that's in like the Durant sweepstakes, and that that becomes a possibility that it might happen. Like I would be, it would be, it would be really good for both of our careers if that were to somehow happen. Yeah. Like I said, legally they literally don't financially have a, enough salary that they could send out that isn't like restricted. So like they they literally cannot happen right now. But it also just kind of makes you appreciate just especially yeah, you know now that certain you know elements of the organization that were in place for a long time that are no longer in place now that that a lot of that stuff is different just the stability that like dame you know that that dame brings i mean we we talked about kind of his solid you know leadership style and just how much guys like playing with him now he's signed this extension i never thought you know after neil got fired i never thought that after that he was going to want to be traded or he was ever actually going to want to leave now that you know once that happened but i you know he signed this extension we just like as a fan, I mean, not not just as somebody who covers the this team on a day to day basis, but as somebody who's a fan of the league and follows the league, to me, this stuff is just so exhausting to talk about. Every it's like every year, it's like another oh well, this star is unhappy where he is and he wants out, and who's going to trade for him? It's just like you just swap out the names, like it's Donovan Mitchell right yeah. now and Durant, and then it was you know it's been James Harden a couple of times, it's been Ben Simmons, it was Ky- it was uh, Kawhi Leonard a little bit before that. It's just like it, it just it gets old after a while. Yeah, no, it totally does. It's it's very refreshing to have somebody in a franchise who actually is like committed and wants to be there and like there's no questions about it. And then, you know, you have people that come out, you have like that podcast that came out a few weeks ago that was like, Why is Damien wasting his years at Portland? Oh, the J.R. Like, Smith and uh, Gilbert Arenas one. Yes. 
Oh God. I mean, if there's if there's anybody that you want to like listen to his opinions about the modern NBA, it's definitely Gilbert Arenas. Definitely Gilbert Arenas. If I'm remembering correctly, he was also the one that campaigned very hard against not having Tommy Lloyd uh, be the head coach at Arizona. Uh, which, yeah, I think I think it was him. Um, how'd that work out for you? Anyways, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I. I I, I kind of get I, I I get where they're coming from in some respects, but I also think like I just I just don't I, I also don't think it's all about like you know, I think some people it's all about rings. And and I understand that and I get it, but I also don't think that's a very balanced like life. So, I, and also, like, just from a consistency standpoint, you can't kill Durant for going to the Warriors and being like, oh, well, he stacked the deck, he joined a super yep. team, these titles Agreed. don't count. And then also get mad at someone like Dame, who has had opportunities to do that in the past and been like, no, nah, you know what, I'm good, I'm making a ton of money, my family's happy here, you know, I am the face of this organization, they're going to build a statue for me, they're going to retire my jersey, they're going to do everything that, you know, they, that, you know... It, I, I think I think a lot of that stuff, and this is I I think one of the things that I hope that Dame, you know, we we were talking about his, uh, you know, th- these lessons that he wants to teach these kids at this camp. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope that that's something he's able to get through to a lot of these kids on is that, and I think especially now, like you know, you people are kind of starting to see like Durant is getting everything he wants in Brooklyn, and he's still not happy, or like LeBron got everything he wanted in Cleveland. He still wanted to go to LA or, you know, whatever it is. I think, I hope that like, that like, it was like just this one generation of guys that was like, Oh, I'm going to switch teams every year. I hope that like, when we get to some of these younger guys, like a John Morant or an Anthony Edwards, Mm -hmm. or, you know, some of these guys, I hope it kind of falls back into that. uh, Think of like, maybe, maybe guys actually stay with their teams. I'm not saying that like guys shouldn't try to get out of bad situations. If like the organization is incompetent or, or whatever the case may be, but like, this every two years, like we have to, you know, worry about like, oh, this star wants out. Like, what are the best trade packages to, to put together? Like, I don't know. That stuff gets old to me after a while. I don't is know it is it every two years? Because I feel like it's every like three to six months. Well, like with James, with James Harden, it's like twice a year at this point. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But no, no, I'm I, saying I, like I, every every one of these guys is like, you know, it was yeah. Anthony Davis, and then it was Kawhi Leonard, and then it was, uh, you know, James Harden, and then it was, uh, you know, whoever. Like, it's going to be, you know, it's Donovan Mitchell right now. And then, like, next year it might be Bradley Beal or it might be, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe maybe it's still a thing with Zion, even though he signed this extension. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's good for the league, too, to have more consistency around teams. Like, I think that's a, that's a benefit for them in terms of not having – I understand there's also benefits in having all these great players on one team. So I, I see both sides of it. But I think that, you know, having your superstars at one place for a while also kind of helps, like, it helps, okay, uh, you know, we're kind of in this, we're kind of in this era where people are now fans of players instead of teams, which is fine. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't, I, I, I'd thought about that a little bit before, but that's, that's interesting. But yeah. But I think it's better long it's i shouldn't say i think it's better it's definitely better long term for the league to have people be fans of teams instead of players and one of the issues we have now is because they're switching all the time it's like no nobody's i feel like a lot of times there's there's not there's not as many fans of teams anymore there's you know lebron fans or you know i mean like okay obviously there's like steph curry fans now that's an exception to the rule um but, you know, there's, you know, LeBron fans. So, like, you know, every few years they're getting a New Jersey. But, like, are they going to be long-term NBA fans? Uh, maybe. But I'm going to say that it's a lot more likely if they're a fan of a team versus if they're a fan of a player. So, it's just, it's an interesting, uh, it's a, definitely an interesting time in the NBA because I, I definitely do think there's never been more of a time where people are more fans of players than they are of teams. Well, let me ask you this then, because you've you've covered college basketball a lot more mm-hmm. extensively than I have. You were in, you know, yeah. in Spokane covering Gonzaga for uh, how many years were you there? Four years. Okay, so you you've you've been that's you know that's one of the most high profile basketball programs in the country. Uh, 
I is that something you noticed a lot around college basketball? Just because it no. to me it feels like. I mean, I know that like Gonzaga had a few you know guys that stayed multiple years, but it feels like there's less of a like for the general sports fans it doesn't feel like you hear as much about college basketball anymore because there's just Mm -hmm. if there's a player who's like any good they're gonna go to the nba after one year and so there's no kind of the same thing you were just talking about with the nba where there's just like not any continuity if guys are switching teams all the time whereas i feel like back in the 80s or the 90s for the most part like you had exceptions but for the most part whoever was at Georgetown or was at North Carolina was going to be there for three or four years. And so there was like a chance to build some of that continuity. Is that like, did you notice a lot of that when you were covering Gonzaga? Well, it's really interesting. It's actually a really interesting time for college basketball right now, just because I mean, okay, let's take the highest profile name there is in college basketball right now. And his name happens to be Drew Timmy. Um, Like, you know, there's a lot of these guys that now like aren't that would have already gone to the league. Or, you know, attempted to go to the league at the very least. And you're going like, to have, like, even on Gonzaga, you're going to have, like, occasionally, like, a guy like Chet, who's, like, clearly a one-and-done guy, like, from yes. the he got to Spokane. Yes, totally. Um, but now, because of NIL, there's actually way more opportunity in terms of continuity for players um, on teams. And therefore, kind of helping build back up um, college basketball's, like, brand in terms of players now i do think college basketball is way more centered around the team than you know that there's way more fans that are passionate about a team versus player compared to the nba right um but i also do think that you need more continuity in college basketball to get those casual fans into it so like love them or hate them and by the way Drew Timmy's the man in my book, but um, like, you know, there are some people who don't like Drew and his antics on the court. I find them to be absolutely hysterical, Um, but like people love to love it and love to hate it and they're going to watch it both ways. So like, that's a really big thing for college basketball right now is, is this NIL is finally kind of opening up some opportunities for more continuity in terms of players and maybe having more people being fans of players versus teams. But college basketball is way more about being a fan of the team and being a fan of the head coach. That's another interesting juxtaposition between the NBA and college is the college coaches in my eyes are way bigger stars than the NBA coaches are Um, because the college coaches are the only thing that remain the same. And they've been there for, you know, I mean, you know, not all of them, but I mean, like a guy like Mark Few has been at Gonzaga for 20 years. So like he's the star of the team, if anything. Um, And that doesn't mean that he, he wants to be, but you know, there's, there's just more, I feel like there's more well-known college basketball coaches um, generally compared to NBA coaches, which is an interesting, interesting juxtaposition. But, um, I but hadn't yeah, thought I about mean, that at all before. That's really interesting that you say that. It's, I think it's, it's true. So true. Cause like who, how many, like I, as somebody who like, doesn't really watch like really yeah. any, any college basketball, mm-hmm. I can probably name way more, you know, Mark Few is somebody you, you mentioned, you know, obviously yeah. like, like Calipari, like they're like, I can name so many more like, high profile college coaches then I can I probably can't name 10 like college players who have been there for multiple years like Drew Timmy yeah. who you brought up is like one of the yeah. only guys that like I can actually like name and know who he is but like I could probably get you know name 10 or 15 coaches who have been oh, at the 100%. schools that they're at for you know for a long time in, in the NBA that is really like it's really you're just talking about like Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra and he's been with a few different teams but like Doc Rivers I think has that sort of status uh steve kerr like now has that kind of status like there's really only a handful of coaches where they're looked at as like this is you know this is his program this is his like uh you know it's it's his team as as opposed to like one of the players yeah no i mean college coaches are just uh it's just it's just a different level which is really interesting too because they're just um i think generally college coaches are (laughs) a little bit more controlling than NBA mm-hmm. coaches are <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. 
But um, and it's always really interesting when I see college coaches go to the NBA because I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go the way like you think it's going to go. And a lot of times it doesn't work out. No, because... I covered I covered Fred Hoiberg when he uh, was when I was still yep. covering the Bulls when yep. they hired him from Iowa State and he basically he got the job because he had a relationship with Gar Foreman who was their general manager at the time and because mm-hmm. like Gar had been an assistant coach at Iowa State when Fred played there in the nineties and like he you know fred had played for the bulls it was like they had a relationship and that was basically why fred got the job and he was then just kind of sold a bill of goods on the roster because they fired tibbs and didn't change the roster at all and fred was a total like totally different uh guy i mean from tibbs and so like you give him the roster that was built for this other coach who plays a totally different style and it just doesn't work out and the other thing that i think a lot of these coaches then don't realize is when you're dealing with kids who aren't getting paid, it's a lot easier to be an authority figure. Whereas, you know, when Fred got to Chicago, his second year, which was my last year covering the Bulls, was, you know, you talked, you, we, we brought up both Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler before. That, that was the three alphas year. And those two guys just mm-hmm. kind of walked all over him because he and, he, and he just was like totally out of his depth as far as like being any kind of an authority figure on on that team. And so it's it just, I mean, there are some guys like Billy Donovan has made the transition, I think pretty well. Brad Stevens did before he moved into the yeah. front office side of things. But a lot of times college coaches, like they think it's going to go one way. It doesn't even like the best college coaches, like when, you know, when John Calipari was coaching the, uh, the, the Nets or like Rick Pitino was coaching the Celtics. Like it doesn't go well. They're used to being the stars in a weird way. It's really interesting. They're used to being, they're kind of used to being the stars and they're used to being the ones that are kind of, you know, in charge and the authority and all this sort of stuff. And when you get to the NBA, it doesn't quite work like that as a head coach. I mean, that doesn't mean that they aren't in charge or whatever, but they're, the dynamics are just totally different from college. So, uh, so yeah, anyways, I, I definitely think that college is still a lot more focused around team versus player. I think that it would be beneficial to get more towards player, but you know, I, 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 I think that, I think that NIL is, is helping with that. And I, I do think that at the end of the day, it's better for the sport to have star players than star coaches. That's, that's not a question to me. What do you think of Chad as far as like an NBA, you know, how mm-hmm. you think his career is going to go in the NBA? Like how, how, how quickly do you think he's going to be yeah. as good as people think he's going to be? You've watched him a lot more up yeah. close than I have. So I'd be curious yeah. of your take on that. Well, it was a really, I mean, it was a really interesting situation for Chet because he walked into a team where, you know, he's, you know, a top three pick, right? but he is not, he's not, he's not the player in charge of that team. You know, he's not like Drew Timmy was in charge of that team. Thank you very much. You know? Um, and, and that doesn't mean that by the way, Drew didn't want to have him involved and Drew didn't want to, you know, have him be a focal point. I, I don't, I never got that vibe whatsoever. Um, but it was just a really interesting situation because they were having to balance between these two bigs down low. And, you know, when you go into Gonzaga, you're going into a system. You're not, and Mark view is not going to change his system to be, you know, 100% catered to you. So, so Chet had to kind of find his sea legs, sea legs, and that makes total sense. Um, and, you know, people were kind of, there were some points during the season where people were kind of hating on him. And then like, you know, and then you just go out, he, he, there would be like almost like one time every game where he'd just do something where you'd be like, did that really just happen? Like, okay. All right. Like, don't see many, you know, seven footers who can do X, Y, and Z, um, you know, like dribble, take block a shot, dribble at the full length of court and pull up for a three. Like that would happen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think in some ways maybe uh, that experience will help him in the NBA because he, you know, he kind of already had to have a year where he kind of figured out where his, where his spot was and um where his and, and and how to kind of feel out that sort of situation which is a really difficult thing to do um so yeah i mean i don't think it's going to be like i don't think chat's going to be rookie of the year okay but i 
I'm hopeful that, you know, he's going to find his way and he's going to steadily kind of improve. I kind of see him as a guy who's going to year after year just kind of steadily improve. I don't know if there's going to be a year where you're going to be like, whoa, Chet is here. But I think he's just going to steadily get better and better and better. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about his weight. I kind of feel bad for the kid. <laughs> I can relate as, as I can, I can, yes. I can relate. I mean, oh, I'm not, me too. I don't have people like scrutinizing my weight because I'm not an yeah. athlete, but I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big guy. And like, I've actively tried to put on weight since I was 12 and it literally doesn't like, it literally does not matter what I eat. I cannot put on weight. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like, I, I, can, I, can, I hope, I hope he's in some sort of therapy because I feel like that would just like screw with me as a 19 year old, having people constantly talk about my weight. Like, it's just like, and I understand, I get why it happens, but it's just like, oh my gosh. So I, you know, I hope that that doesn't become a detriment to him. I mean, he's stayed relatively healthy up until now. So I, you know, I think he's a pretty like strong person. It's just not there muscle wise. So, um, yeah, I think that he's, I think that he'll probably have a, a solidish first year. And I, I think it's just going to be kind of a slow, not a slow ascent, but I think it's just going to kind of be block after block. I don't think there's going to be some sort of like breakout crazy moment where it's like, all right, Chet's here. I, I think he's more of a kind of take, take his time and, and work his way into it type of guy. So um, we will, we will see what happens. It's going to be, I mean, I will say, I think that Oklahoma city team is going to be super fun to watch. Oh yeah. So With why him not? And Josh Giddy And uh, yeah, if, if Shay actually sticks around and like, because he's he's an injury they're kind of an interesting spot because with with shay it's like they you know they gave him the contract he's clearly you know they see him as one of their guys but he's also like on a different age timeline of like this other thing that they're building with these younger guys now and like Mm -hmm. i you know i i know i know sam a little bit and i feel like sam was pressy is probably gonna i don't think he views shay as untouchable yeah so i'm interested to see how that all goes but I, they're definitely going to be a league pass team. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't just, <laughs> I don't think uh Presti views anyone as untouchable right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably, you know, he probably thinks Ch- he probably wouldn't trade Chet. Probably wouldn't trade that's, Chet. Not that's, that's, if Chet, if Chet is as good as people say he is, that's who you do this multiple years of tanking to get. Yeah. Which is why, like, I, cause I think if, I think if Sam had gotten like a top two or three pick and gotten like Kate or Evan Mobley last year, maybe they wouldn't have been tanking this year. Like he was basically going to go until he got the guy. And now I think he feels like Chad is that. So we'll see if he is. Yeah. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I mean, like I said, I think it's going to be, I think it's, I think it's going to be kind of a steady ascent for him. Uh Um, But yeah, I, I think that, I mean, he had, you know, he had some good games in summer leagues. He had some games that he probably wasn't as good as he wanted to be. But, um, yeah, I think overall, I mean, I think that he's shown that at least, you know, he can keep up with his peers. Now you just have to see if he can keep up with <laughs> the people who are currently, who who are, you know, I guess going to become his peers. So, yeah. Right. Before, before we get out of here, I just, yeah. like, like what, what are your just general thoughts on the off season that the Blazers have had and like bringing, you know, mm-hmm. bringing in, uh, Jeremy Grant, drafting Shaden Sharp, bringing in Gary Payton, the second, you know, re-signing Simons and Nurkic to the deals that they signed them to. Where do you, where do you kind of see the Blazers as, you know, as they stand right now and as the West stands right now? Um, you know, I think they did the best they could do with the cards that they were dealt. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I, I just, I pray to God that Nurkic can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really the, you know, the big question mark there, but, um, you know, I, I do think that they have a nice core here, which is cool. So I, I think that they, you know, I mean, getting, getting Jeremy was good and, you know, they didn't have to give up too much for him, which I thought was great. Um, but you know, I mean, 
I just, I just hope, and I, I don't think, I didn't, like I said, I didn't think it was going to happen this year. I just hope that we are officially out of the narrative, or at least, I don't know, that there's at least some sort of trying happening where it's like, oh, we can never have a big free agent sign in Portland. I think that era is, I think that era ended on uh, a certain date in December. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, because that just became, it became an excuse and it became a way for people to not try. And that was just incredibly lame. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I didn't think it was going to happen this year. Um, but I just, I just hope that kind of like Chet, hope it's like a steady build where things kind of keep, you know, keep going, going, going. Cause obviously, you know, they're, I think this team can make the playoffs next year. Um, but the Western conference is just so freaking loaded right now. It's just, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard to be a playoff team in the Western conference. So, um, th- so I definitely think they, they, they need to add more than what they have right now in order to get to the aspirations that Damien has. And I think they um, think that too. Like every, even after, they all these, too. after all these moves, you know, we've talked to Joe and he, you know, he's, yep. he's said in radio interviews and, you know, in press conferences, even after all these moves, he says that like, he still thinks they're not good enough. So I think that self-awareness yep. that they still have more that they have to do is I, I think going to bode well. And I think they're also kind of in a weird place as an organization right now with the, with the whole Jody Allen thing. Like this is just a, they're kind of on in this like waiting game right now. I feel like where it's like, all right, when is the team getting sold? When is the team getting sold? When's the team getting sold? And so um, I think that probably has a little bit of an effect on it as, as well. I mean, it's not the whole, it's, it's not, it's not a complete excuse to me by any means, but I do think that that probably does play a little bit into, you know, how they look at, signings and things like that so um it does that i mean yeah. you saw what happened with in phoenix where like they dragged out the whole deandre ayton uh, yep. thing and you know they've let certain guys go and that you know that that's be in at least in part i think because you know they have whatever's going on with this robert sarver situation hanging over yep. them that you don't know when like, is maybe, that coming out i don't uh, know <laughs> i i i have a i have a guess as to who's going to end up owning the Suns whenever that gets resolved but i have no idea when that's gonna uh yeah get resolved um but yeah so you know i I think that they're i think they're doing the best they can right now (laughs) um gold star for you in these unprecedented times yes um but you know this is uh this team right now is a stop along the journey and not a final destination put it that way <laughs> yeah i think i would i would agree with that i think that's about where i am at they've definitely i, I would i would say i would say it like this offseason has been a solid b for them like they've definitely yeah. gotten better they're not a title contender they don't think they're a title contender but they're tr- they're trying what you just brought up they're trying which has not always been the case yeah there's there's been a lot of a uh, lot of excuses over the years from one party in particular. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a good place to leave it, Brenda. Thank you so yeah. much for doing this with with me, and also just like like how 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 have you been like? I mean, I know you're from the area originally. How have you yeah. liked you know the transition back into you know living in Portland and you know getting back kind of into this you know yeah. the local scene here? How's that been going? No, it's good. It's um, it's funny. Like I'm living. Uh, I I went to Jesuit high school, and so I'm living like right off of Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. And I'm like, okay, like I guess. So it's like kind of like in a weird way. It's like, oh, my high school is ten minutes away from me. That's weird. Like you know, like that sort of stuff. But it's like also like super familiar, and like so it kind of just like it, it kind of was a. It's I, I've had the luxury of the last two places that I've lived in now, like having lived there before. And let me tell you, makes a world of difference to just walk in somewhere and be like, all right, I know this. I don't have to like learn where I need to go in this town. I don't have to like figure out where X, Y, and Z places. I know, oh, this place is in this area. I know how to get there. Um, that's just like, cause I mean, 
you know, I, I left Gonzaga uh, in college and then I went and lived in Great Falls, Montana. Not a super difficult town to navigate. I'll tell you that much because uh, it's not big. But, um, you know, you're still like moving to somewhere you don't know anybody. And then after that, I moved to Reno and it's another place I didn't know anybody. Um, and, and so it's just nice to, you know, be somewhere where it's like, OK, I mean, you know, my my mom was over today and uh, she took my laundry home with her like you know that sort of stuff where i'm like yeah all right like i don't have to like my mom will just do my laundry for me that's sick like you know <laughs> so you know um yeah it's it's been good to be back it's good to be in a place where you know i you know i grew up cheering for the blazers i grew up cheering for the ducks i come from a family of yeah, that goes four generations back at oregon state like so you know, I don't, I don't need so any you, history so you're, lessons you're a, here. You're a Duck fan, but your whole family went to Oregon State. Is that? So, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, yeah. So my, my mom went to Oregon State. My dad went to Oregon. Okay. So I always grew up going to Duck games, but I'm not someone who has any sort of animosity towards the, bla the Blazers, the Beavers, um, because I grew up with so many Beavers in my family. So like, yeah, my, my great grandpa went to Oregon State. And obviously there's multiple people in my generation um, who went to Oregon State. Um, and there's there's other people, others in my generation who went to Oregon. Um, so yeah, like I grew up in a, uh, you know, you know what, I, I grew up in a household that um, mostly, mostly the hatred was um, uh, directed towards the Huskies. Uh, so much so to the fact that there is a painting in our house of the catch uh, or the, uh, from, um, from the Oregon UW football game. Why am I blanking on his name? This is really embarrassing. Um, I went it to Oregon. A, I don't, I don't know the name of the thing that you're, uh, it's Kenny Wheaton. Kenny Wheaton's going to score. Right. Um, so like we have a painting of that in our household. There's like, like in the, in the, <laughs> I was, I was painting something. So I was in our, like, in one of our garages like painting something there a few weeks ago and there's like a bumper sticker in there that says support a husky free northwest um <laughs> nice so that's what i grew up under it was more so the the we do not like the huskies over we do not like the beavers like yes obviously i cheered for the ducks when the civil war happened but or, obviously we don't refer to it as civil war anymore but you know back then we did um and uh uh, but I don't have like any sort of, I don't, I don't, I, I like the beavers just fine. Like they're, they're totally cool to me. I, and I mean, I kind of like identify with the beavers in, in a way, just because of the fact that I covered Wazoo the last four years. So like, I know what it's like to kind of be a school like that in a state. And, um, and so, yeah, like I, I definitely kind of like, I kind of like cheering for the underdogs too, a little bit. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I definitely grew up an Oregon Duck fan. That's, that's, there's, there's no denying that, but I don't have like any sort of animosity towards the Beavers at all. So, so yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great to be back and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, still kind of getting my feet wet and exploring and super excited for college football season. I mean, comes out today, Oregon ranked number 12 in the preseason poll. And I'm like, all right, let's get it. Like, I'm ready. Ah, uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I just, I love college football and I'm, I'm so excited for that as well. Is, is that your favorite? Is, is basketball your number one sport or is football? Oh, that's so difficult. You know, cause it's funny. I didn't go to a school who had, that had football. Um, but I grew up going, I mean, I'm not joking you when I say this, I think from third grade on, I missed one Oregon Duck football game. I skipped my senior year homecoming dance because I wanted to go to the Oregon USC game on Halloween. Thank I was at that much. game. That was my sophomore year. Great game. Yeah. Great game. And uh, I mean, not great game in terms of the fact that Oregon blew them out, but I enjoyed every second of it uh, way better than going to some stupid dance. Um, so like the only time I ever missed a game was for a bat mitzvah and that was like you know one of those social things back in middle school right. where you feel like you should go to it because socially you have to right. um and so um but 
yeah like so i grew up like huge i honestly i grew up huge into college or, or huge into college sports generally but i just grew up really huge into basketball and football and those are like really my it's really hard for me to choose which one i like better i think i do have a bit of a soft spot for college basketball now just because of you know i've now covered six straight teams between reno and uh Spokane who have gone to the NCAA tournament. So I've been around pretty good college basketball for a while. Um, so, you know, that's something that I, I think I have a little bit of soft spot on, especially since, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, Oh, nobody watches college basketball until March. And I'm like, okay, well I love it. So whatever. So I love college basketball, but well, nobody watches the NBA until Christmas, according to those same people. Yeah, that's true. So- so uh yeah that's, why, but that's I, why i got into sports to debate what tv ratings are going to be oh i mean yeah we we're really into tv ratings so um <laughs> so yeah anyways i but i really i it's it's college football college basketball nba not necessarily in that order it's going to depend on the day that you ask me to be completely frank with you so this is like an ideal market or an ideal place for me to be because it's like you've got an nba team that people are fat you know fans are passionate about this team you have really good college football generally there's pretty good college basketball uh here as well especially on the women's side Yes. And, and last year wasn't as good on the men's side, but generally Oregon is pretty decent. And then, you know, two years ago, all of a sudden Oregon state decided to become good. Okay. Um, so, you know, like, and I mean, I, last year was not the best for them, but, um, but you know, I just, I, yeah, those, those are my three favorite sports. Um, that's just kind of what I was, I was kind of raised under those three, to be honest with you. And I mean, that makes sense. Somebody who's from here, like, you know, I, di- I didn't really grow up like, like Seahawks were not a thing in my house, really. And the Mariners were not a thing in my house. It was all about like Oregon, uh, Oregon, the Blazers, and, may- and you know, a little, little Oregon State on the side or whatever. That was really what I grew up under. And that makes sense because that is what's here at the end of the day. So, yeah, those those are definitely my my three favorites for sure. Well, I mean, you, for those of you who aren't following Brenna, you should. Because what, what's your what is your Twitter? There's like some weird underscore in there too. Yeah, so there's I, an underscore at the end. I don't, don't want to plug it off the top of my head because I want to. Yeah, it it's 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 at Brenna Green underscore uh, Twitter. Just give me the normal Brenna Green. Like that account isn't active. It hasn't been active like ever, like ever. You could ever. probably Just get give... coin to give you that. When I when I was trying to get. Uh, Back when I was at USA Today, I got them to give me my at hiking handle, which was also just taken by some totally inactive account with zero followers. You could probably That's get amazing. whoever the social media person is at Coin to to get. Yeah, you. yeah, maybe maybe uh, we're owned by Nextstar, which is a big media company. So maybe somebody in Nextstar could calls. get that Make for me. Make some calls, run it up the flagpole. Yes, <laughs> but it's, want my Twitter handle? Damn it! That would probably right. be pretty easy to do. But it, I mean, anyway, yeah. Follow, give Brenda yeah. a follow. Check her stuff out on Coin. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great to have you uh, at. I'm assuming you're gonna be at a lot of Blazer stuff this yes. season. Yes, absolutely. Know, games, practices, all of that. You're, you know, big shoes to fill with AJ. But uh, you know, I, you're, you're gonna do a great job. You already are doing a great job. You've already gotten. A million retweets off of that off of that Dame video, which is how you measure success in, in media these days, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it definitely big shoes to fill in AJ. But you know, AJ was um, was the one who kind of helped advocate for me for this job. So you know, AJ AJ definitely believed that um, that I could do this, and that that meant a lot to me. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just excited to hit the ground running and uh yeah just just really like i i'm just really i'm really happy to be here and um i didn't know if i was ever going to be able to come back to my hometown and work here just because of the way it works and you know does does this decision make sense and you know there would have been um you know coins gonna have a lot of live sports this fall um and so that's one of the reasons why i came back and why this made all the sense in the world to me. And that's the reason why I was like, I, I don't know if any other station in town really makes sense for me to go, you know, from being the sports director in Spokane to, 
you know, a different position, but this situation was the right one. And this was the, honestly, like there's only a few jobs in this town I would ever look at. And this was one of them. So I, I got really lucky that this came up when it did and it worked out for me and uh, yeah, just, just really excited to be here. And, and I love being out and about. So uh, yeah, uh, please, if you're listening to this, you see me come up, say hi, because I just, um, I, I love being out and being in the field and seeing people. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be around. That's for sure. All right. Well, so uh, as always, you know, you can follow the podcast uh, Rose Garden Report uh, on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter, rosegardenreport.beehive.com. We've got free and paid subscriptions. There's some cool stuff coming up for the paid subscribers. So make sure you get on that. Uh, And other than that, Brenda, thanks a lot again for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me.